0: Chapter Two of Bracebridge Hall by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Busy Man. A decayed gentleman who lives most upon his own mirth and my master's means, and much good do him with it he does hold my master up with his stones and songs and catches and such tricks and jigs you would admire he is with him now jovial crew by no one has my return to the hall been more heartily greeted than by mr simon bracebridge or master simon as the squire most commonly calls him i encountered him just as i entered the park where he was breaking a pointer and he received me with all the hospitable cordiality with which a man welcomes a friend to another one's house i have already introduced him to the reader as a brisk old bachelor-looking little man the wit and superannuated beau of a large family connection and the squire's factotum i found him as usual full of bustle with a thousand petty things to do and persons to attend to and in chirping good humor for there are fewer happier beings than a busy idler that is to say a man who is eternally busy about nothing i visited him the morning after my arrival in his chamber which is in a remote corner of the mansion as he says he likes to be to himself and out of the way he has fitted it up in his own taste so that it is a perfect epitome of an old bachelor's notions of convenience and arrangement the furniture is made up of odd pieces from all parts of the house chosen on account of their suiting his notions or fitting some corner of his apartment and he is very eloquent in praise of an ancient elbow chair from which he takes occasion to digress into a censure on modern chairs as having degenerated from the dignity and comfort of high-backed antiquity. Adjoining to his room is a small cabinet, which he calls his study. Here are some hanging shelves, of his own construction, of which are several old works on hawking, hunting, and farrery, and a collection or two of poems and songs of the reign of Elizabeth, which he studies out of compliment to the squire together with the novelist's magazine the sporting magazine the racing calendar a volume or two of the new gate calendar a book of peerage and another of heraldry his sporting dresses hang on pegs in a small closet and about the walls of his apartments are hooks to hold his fishing tackle whips spurs and a favorite fowling piece curiously wrought and inlaid which he inherits from his grandfather he has also a couple of old single keyed flutes and a fiddle which he has repeatedly patched and mended himself affirming it to be a veritable cremona though i have never heard him extract a single note from it that was not enough to make one's blood run cold from this little nest his fiddle will often be heard in the stillness of midday drowsily sawing some long-forgotten tune for he prides himself on having a choice collection of good old english music and will scarcely have anything to do with modern composers the time however at which his musical powers are of most use is now and then of an evening when he plays for the children to dance in the hall and he passes among them and the servants for a perfect orpheus his chamber also bears evidence of his various avocations there are half-copied sheets of music designs for needlework sketches of landscapes very indifferently executed a camera lucida a magic lantern for which he is endeavoring to paint glasses in a word it is the cabinet of a man of many accomplishments who knows a little of everything and does nothing well after i had spent some time in his apartment admiring the ingenuity of his small inventions he took me about the establishment to visit the stables dog-kennel and other dependencies in which he appeared like a general visiting the different quarters of his camp as the squire leaves the control of all these matters to him when he is at the hall he inquired into the state of the horses examined their feet prescribed a drench for one and bleeding for another, and then took me to look at his own horse, on the merits of which he dwelt with great prolixity, and which, I noticed, had the best stall in the stable. After this I was taken to a new toy of his and the squire's, which he termed the falconry, where there were several unhappy birds in Durance, completing their education. Among the number was a fine falcon— which master simon had in especial training and he told me that he would show me in a few days some rare sport of the good old-fashioned kind in the course of our round i noticed that the grooms gamekeeper whippers-in and other retainers seemed all to be on somewhat of a familiar footing with master simon and fond of having a joke with him though it was evident they had great deference for his opinion in matters relating to their functions there was one exception, however, in a testy old huntsman, as hot as a peppercorn, a meagre, wiry old fellow, in a threadbare velvet jacky cap, and a pair of leather breeches, that, from much wear, shone as though they had been japanned. He was very contradictory and pragmatical, and apt, as I thought, to differ from Master Simon now and then, out of mere capaciousness. This was particularly the case with respect to the treatment of the hawk, which the old man seemed to have under his peculiar care, and, according to Master Simon, was in a fair way to ruin. The latter had a vast deal to say about casting, and imping, and gleaming, and seeming, and giving the hawk the wrangle, which I saw was all heathen Greek to old Christie, But he maintained his point notwithstanding and seemed to hold all his technical lore in utter disrespect i was surprised at the good humor with which master simon bore his contradictions till he explained the matter to me afterwards old Christie is the most ancient servant in the place having lived among dogs and horses the greater part of a century and been in the service of mr bracebridge's father he knows the pedigree of every horse on the place and has bestride the great great grandsires of most of them he can give a circumstantial detail of every fox hunt for the last sixty or seventy years and has a history of every stag's head about the house and every hunting trophy nailed to the door of the dog kennel all the present race have grown up under his eye and humor him in his old age he once attended the squire to oxford when he was a student there and enlightened the whole university with his hunting lore. All this is enough to make the old man opinionated, since he finds, on all these matters of first-rate importance, he knows more than the rest of the world. Indeed, Master Simon had been his pupil, and acknowledges that he derived his first knowledge in hunting from the instructions of Christie. and I much question whether the old man does not still look upon him as rather a greenhorn on our return homewards as we were crossing the lawn in front of the house we heard the porter's bell ring at the lodge and shortly afterwards a kind of cavalcade advanced slowly up the avenue at sight of it my companion paused considered for a moment and then making a sudden exclamation hurried away to meet it as it approached i discovered a fair fresh-looking elderly lady dressed in an old-fashioned riding habit with a broad-brimmed white beaver hat such as may be seen in sir joshua reynolds paintings she rode a sleek white pony and was followed by a footman in rich livery mounted on an overfed hunter at a little distance in the rear came an ancient cumbrous chariot drawn by two very corpulent horses driven by as corpulent a coachman beside whom sat a page dressed in a fanciful green livery. Inside of the chariot was a starched, prim personage, with a look somewhat between a lady's companion and a lady's maid, and two pampered curs that showed their ugly faces and barked out of each window. There was a general turning out of the garrison to receive this newcomer. The squire assisted her to alight, and saluted her affectionately the fair julia flew into her arms and they embraced with the romantic fervour of boarding-school friends she was escorted into the house by julia's lover towards whom she followed distinguished favour and a line of the old servants who had collected in the hall bowed most profoundly as she passed i observed that master simon was most assiduous and devout in his attentions upon this old lady he walked by the side of her pony up the avenue, and while she was receiving the salutations of the rest of the family, he took occasion to notice the fat coachman, to pat the sleek carriage-horses, and, above all, to say a civil word to my lady's gentlewoman, the prim, sour-looking vestal in the chariot. I had no more of his company for the rest of the morning. He was swept off in the vortex that followed in the wake of this lady. Once indeed he paused for a moment, as he was hurrying on some errand of the good ladies, to let me know that this was Lady Lillycraft, a sister of the squires, of large fortune, which the captain would inherit, and that her estate lay in one of the best sporting counties in all England. End of Chapter Two. Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Richie, Florida.